0: Hi, it's me, Milo, and as you may have guessed, the fact that you're hearing my voice means that there's an event that needs to be plugged. So, on this Wednesday, the 21st of November, I'll be hosting a stand-up comedy night featuring friend of the show, Pierre Novelli, along with Pope Lonergan, Jamie Fraser and Charlie Dinkin. Uh, It's completely free to get in, and it's at 8pm at the Secford, which is near Farringdon Tube Station. Uh, You can find the event on Facebook at Smoke Comedy, and there'll also be a link in the description where you can sign up to get a free ticket and reserve a seat. I'd love to see some of you there. Thanks very much. Cheers. Before we begin this week's episode of Trash Future, I'm left with the sad duty of informing you of the resignation of the following cabinet members over Brexit. The government will be sad to lose Davison Thorbert at the Department for Assorted Skills and Husbandry, Mufti Blowswater at the Department for Public Interest in Spending, Quentin Thurrock at the Department for Horses, Hounds and Low Emission Vehicles, Tungsten Maidenhead at the Department for the Environment and Christmas Hams, Ros Dangler, Under Secretary to the Oversecretary of Secretaries, Imelda Kennelsmith at the Department for Affairs Internal, External and Extramarital, Dominic Mountainbath at the Department for Whistles, Badges and Assorted Trinkets. And of course, who could forget, Crango Grissom at the Department for Business, Innovation and Innovative Business. May God have mercy on their souls.
1: (laughs)
2: Welcome to your uh, weekend, weekday bonus uh, TF, everybody. Thank you. I no. I'm going to take that again. Hello, everyone, again. Nope, again. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to your bonus TF. It's me, Riley. I'm here in the guy household with Milo. Me, it's your boy, Milo Edwards. Yep. Yeah. Nate. Hello, it's me, Nate today. The How's it going? Twos. And Hussein phoning in uh, our American uh, correspondent. Yes,
3: I'm having a particularly normal one today. Uh, uh, everything is very clear to me I do know what happened to me last night um, and not, more importantly I now know where Coney Island is wow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hussain had a few too many soups last
2: night <laughs> just got, got fucking wild on coffee <laughs> just slurping down Jabba <laughs> Lot a lot of stimulant in that coffee. And we have Elise Bell from Tabloid Art History.
4: Hello, I am not part of the Guy household, but I'm happy to be here. No for it's the first time.
0: No.
2: Hey, yo, once you're in the guy household,
0: everyone's a guy. Okay. Cause if everyone's Thanks. a guy it's not gay.
2: It's just part of the part of the household. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's the that's the rules of doing a, a brochure list podcast mm-hmm. is that all of your female guests are actually guys while they're recording the podcast. Yep. Yeah. But what I what I've been thinking about, actually, uh, with Hussein getting getting wild on coffees. Um, do you think that the bureaucratic offices of the Third Reich had like had a worker who was a quirky don't talk to me before I've had my coffee kind of office lady?
0: Oh, absolutely! She's got like a "Keep Calm" carry-on poster <laughs> underneath the poster of Hitler, and like they'll send her, they'll they'll send her like basically like, like uh, Janine, we need to you to compile this detailed list of all of the dissidents who are going to have murdered, and she's like, no rest for the wicked. <laughs>
2: I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about different situations in history where there would have been quirky, don't talk to me before I've had my coffee office ladies, and I think mm. that's certainly one of them. She's organizing like an office secret Santa. <laughs> <laughs> secret police Santa. <laughs> Oh my!
1: Anyway, I did want to drop in that we, when we were sound checking, we made a joke about Eat, Pray, Laban's Realm,
2: and we did
1: not get a chance to introduce that. I feel so cut out.
2: Yeah, that was a very good joke. We can no, we can we can cut it back in because I can say this, and she's probably reading a copy of Eat, Pray, Laban's (laughs) Realm. So you're gonna steal my (laughs) joke? Leave that whole thing in. Of course, course. do not. Yes. Oh my! Anyway, so we are we are actually here to talk about some real, real shit, real business, mm-hmm. real business for p- people paying to play, hear a serious podcast, the real ass business podcast from our business office <laughs> where we do business with acid. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why did they have acid? That's what I really want to know. Is like, what, what kind of people who work in tech have acid on hand, like in case, like, who's just going to go out and do some, like, attacks uh, later? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I was like, well, now uh, I've got uh, this chickpea problem.
1: Well, I just love the idea of who you're buying acid from, too. It's like, you go down and buy, like, some shady dealer who's going to give you something you're not supposed to have. It's like, evident- whatever you uh, happens, uh, man. You didn't get it from me. He's like, yeah, well, these chickpeas are going to fucking get it this time. Evidently, uh, 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 <laughs> none of you
3: have watched the famous business movie American Psycho. Um,. Where if you did watch it and you paid attention to Patrick Bateman, who is a big fan of business, as we all know, you would understand why the acid is in the office.
2: It's, 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 how, it's, how, it's, it's how you yeah, are exactly. a negotiating position. <laughs> why do they like
0: McLennan's chickpeas more than mine? <laughs>
2: No, you gotta you gotta understand, if you wanna do a really good business deal, you need to create a sense of urgency. And how do you do that more effectively than by putting someone on top of a wooden chair wooden chair that's slowly dissolving in an acid bath?
1: Or put something in a podcast studio where they smell acid and like just get it over with. I'll say anything. I don't care anymore.
0: Okay, you wanna talk about deals. What I'm saying is Jaina... If you don't do this trade deal, all the stuff that you want to buy from America, I'm just gonna pour acid on it. Okay, I've got acid right here. Don't try me. I mean, but I'm not messing around. Mary Clinton, she doesn't I even mean, know what so I on. I mean, acid. I mean,
3: some people, some people like posit the idea of like the chlorinated chicken being the one of the future, but we think that like the acidified chickpea will be the future of Brexit Britain.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: the chickpea slurry.
2: <laughs> to steal one
1: of Riley's jokes from the soundcheck we're basically just we're not appreciating the toilet ceviche that we're enjoying right now.
4: It's uh, like drink the red juice of the sink. From the sarcophagus? Drink the red juice.
1: It's just acid and chickpeas. Why is this hummus
0: dissolving my mouth? Oh, that's the secret
2: ingredient. Hydrochloric acid. <laughs> it's, ve- it's very zippy. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's- How much tahini did you put in this? <laughs> new, new Patreon tier. New Patreon tier drink the chickpea slurry (laughs) it's like the sarcophagus
4: juice (laughs) just like riley drinking the fucking red slurry chickpea acid juice from the sink i'd pay for that shit just saying
2: oh hell yeah all right everybody so so, twitch stream of riley drinking the chickpea juice (laughs) 25 dollar debate me tier no longer the most premium prestigious tier Mm. For very intelligent people who want to talk to me still about what AR fifteen stands for, even though we all know it stands for assault rifle, we are now creating live in studio right now the thirty dollar uh, drink the acid slurry tier, which because we're recording this a week before it comes out is going to confuse some people for a while. Hell yeah,
4: the acid will still be there though. <laughs> like it's going to be a going. Oh thing. no,
2: absolutely. This is now the as- acid sink with, <laughs> with uh, toilet ceviche is now a permanent fixture of the guy household. Mm-hmm. That that really does sound like a SoundCloud rap, Acid Sync
0: featuring toilets. <laughs> to <VJ. laughs>
2: so here's here's the other thing. We are record. We're recording this on uh, Saturday, the seventeenth of November, and um, the country has like stopped collapsing for a couple days, or at least the Conservative Party rather has stopped collapsing for a couple of days. The country still seems to be doing okay. Um, So by the time this comes out, I don't know what's going to have gone on. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow Nate to phone in from the future.
1: Hi, this is Nate in the present, but you're going to hear my voice calling in from the future, and I'm going to tell you exactly
2: what happened. So the Brexit negotiations went unexpectedly. More bad than normal? Which has actually led to a lot of people being surprised
1: that... The Tories apparently want there to be a financial crash in the event of the first Brexit vote going poorly so that it will scare everyone into voting for Theresa May's Brexit deal, which would seem to indicate that everything is still
2: extra normal. And ultimately, I think what we've all learned is that things are going to be, as they say in Britain, fucking shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and maybe it? the real Boris Johnson is the <laughs> human version of a racist salt and pepper shaker.
2: <laughs> I, I I'm I today I've been put in mind again of how he like totally fucked up that 10-year-old ja- Japanese kid. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that? I do. He was playing I rugby, wasn't he or
1: something yeah. like that? Yeah,
0: yeah, just just I really shoulder I checking. really appreciate that about Boris Johnson how they're like, yeah, play rugby with this child as a photo op and he's like, well, I'm not fucking around. <laughs>
4: So like the only thing him and Michael Owen have in common, like that kind of him fucking bagging I love of beating
0: up <laughs> <Yes>. Japanese people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't know that about Michael Owen.
2: <laughs> hey, don't, don't exclude me. I'll try Mark Wahlberg.
0: <laughs> Wait, is there actually a story about Michael Owen? I didn't know this.
4: Yeah, yeah, there's a story about Michael Owen and it also involves fucking Nev Southgate as well. Like, um, there's like huge. a charity, huge guy, huge guy, nice guy, and there's a uh, football game going on. They've got some like little kids playing, and rather than like. Kind of gently kick the ball into like the goalie pitch thing. The fucking Michael Owen just kicks it right at the back and it smashes the kid in the
3: face.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it's like. Why did you do that, dude? Like, you didn't need to do that. He's a kid. Mm-hmm. And Michael Owen just doesn't it's get like, it. He's a shit. It's,
3: it's like, it's like <laughs> that in the in the in the Peterson book where like he stares down a two year old in the playground and he's like and he's like yeah this this two year old boy was like giving me like shit but I stared him down and put
0: him in his place. That's Michael Owen is Gundam Paul Blart of the football team. <laughs> <pin. laughs>
2: He's like the football does not respect the weak. Stop mischaracterizing Blart. Shut up. I do what I want. <laughs> I will miss. I will characterize Paul Blart however I choose because of free speech. Exactly.
0: It's my right. It's my First Amendment right
2: <laughs> here in Britain, which yeah, we have exactly. I'll never take my Fifth Amendment right because I will never shut up. <laughs> All right, so Elise. What the fuck is tabloid art history?
4: (laughs) I don't even fucking know half the time. No, it's like uh, we started it about a year and a half ago and effectively we get tabloid photos and we compare them with works of art from art history in a very kind of non-contextualized whatsoever assortment. That's like the face of what we do, basically.
2: And what... I think one of the, it's, it's something that I've, I've always really enjoyed just seeing come up on Twitter, like, you know, um, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake wearing their sort of full denim than being compared to a, a Caravaggio or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. I should, what would you compare that to? Who would, you, who would you compare Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake in full denim, like, like not like with fentanyl not having yet been invented, but mm-hmm. certainly anticipating its invention by Purdue Pharmaceuticals.
4: I think you'd have to go really abstract with that because the whole entire denim escapade mm. was so abstract. Use that guy to lose as well. He kind of painted like um, people from the French 19, 1900s, nineteen hundreds, eighteen hundreds, eighteenth nineteenth century. I should yeah, degree or not. A it was, the, it was, the, it was the, the sort talk. of like the
1: the art posters <laughs> yeah. of like people in cafes and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he
4: was like this little guy who just went to all these pa- like parties and just kind of pissed about with rich people and drew their clothes, that would definitely be kind of Britney and Justin, but kind of less fun almost.
0: Imagine, you could do them also, like, what's that American painting of, like, the farmer and his wife with the pitchfork? Like that? <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh,
1: what is not uh, that Grant... Something Grant Wood. Grant uh, Wood. American, American Pastoral. Yeah. I, I, don't I don't know, know anything. anything. American Pastoral is a book. pastoral. Philip
4: Roth. <laughs> I'm the
1: American and I have shamed myself. Yeah. If America had seppuku, I would have to commit it right yeah. now.
2: American Pastoral is a book about a pastoral guy who does pastoral stuff. America does have seppuku. It's called Going for a cop Service Weapon.
1: <laughs> American has a, America has seppuku. It's called Sending Your Kids to School.
2: Oh, boy. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> That's why I fucking left America. <laughs> I mean,
2: am like, you can't pretend it doesn't exist. I, th- I thought, my quirky office lady of the Third Reich bureaucracy was the darkest moment but nope I was obviously there was a uh, and I hate to do the like Twitter recap,
1: but there was a, an amazing thing that really speaks to like Americanness. There was a some jackass was on on Twitter and basically said like, "Yeah, you know, I don't want to be racist, but y- everybody knows how you feel when like you see a guy with a turban like walk in on a plane." And a dude who was a Sikh was he quote tweets this and he's like, "Yeah, man, I totally understand. It's the same way I feel when I see a white guy walk into a movie theater or a school."
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: burnt roasted, yeah, <laughs> <Blittering>. fucking roasted. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the way I would prefer to combat. Racism with just vicious roasting—that would be like <laughs> my preferred. I respect the hell out of that. <laughs> it's like, you know, what, dude?
2: I'm not even gonna tell you you're a bad person. I'm just gonna roast the fuck out of you. <laughs> so you're just you... gonna compare your ass to a Renaissance painting. That'll fucking show you. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: You pray. Just insult me more. It's fine. I don't mind. See, I was just
2: going to praise him and be like, "See, Riley keeps
1: us on track even though we desperately don't want to be on track." Mm, no.
4: Yeah.
2: I will n- <laughs> This is my day off. This is my day off, baby. It's the premium yeah. episode. Huge. This is uh no girls allowed. I mean, yeah. one girl. <laughs> why why? <Nice. laughs> why did
1: you make that voice though?
2: Because I think it's very I've been making this voice for a while. It's very funny to me.
1: I just feel like no girls allowed would be like a small child's voice like, "No girls allowed." Not like sexy
2: no girls allowed. We're just doing gay fucking here.
1: <laughs> you can only be in this room if you're gay. <laughs>
2: That's why we made Elise an honorary guy. Uh, exactly. I don't remember. Happy to be here. <laughs> As a guy. Okay. Okay. Uh, so back to, the, back to the thing we're ostensibly talking about. It is what the thing I like about tabloid art history is that it, is, it seems to almost exist for no reason, but is infinitely mm-hmm. delightful right it's yeah. it's the kind of thing that no no private enterprise would ever produce for any reason
4: but like it's like it's one of those things that they wish they could produce kind of thing because now you've got misguided basically doing the fucking like art t-shirts of britney as well they've kind of capitalized on it all but so, yeah it's completely nonsensical and there's kind of almost no worth in it whatsoever from a theoretical perspective and yet i still say there is like, <laughs> <laughs> like, welcome to this, this. podcast yeah.
0: <laughs> Wait, hang on. Have you been Zuckerberged by a fashion brand?
1: <laughs> I was going to ask, you, has, has, has that happened that people just like steal the, the things and make them into like people, printed shirts?
4: People have like, it's like one of those things where it kind of was already, not already happening, but like, you know, there's like Twitter or in, no, Instagram meme accounts have like taken our content and then like they're kind of trying to turn it into merch, but our followers are like, Some nice people who keep like shouting out when it happens, and we're like, we've got nothing to do with this anymore. What can we do in the face of money? We have no money from this.
2: Yeah, which is exactly why I like it so much. Like, it's it's impossible to earn any money from this. (laughs) It is just it is it is just some goofy shit. (laughs) We're fucking goofing around.
4: Some goofy girls doing some art shit, you know.
2: Right, and Just a couple of girls who are up to no good, <laughs> making art history comparisons in my neighborhood. <laughs> right, and what the thing that I one of the re- uh, the thing that this strikes me is very opposite too, mm-hmm. is the, there is a tendency I think in especially in in magazines like Drugstore Culture, mm-hmm. uh, which was founded by Matthew Tancona to I don't know. Discuss lowbrow culture and yeah. highbrow culture. It was way. actually called rug store
0: culture, but then he added the D apostrophe that's so iconic from his own name <laughs> to the start. And then the apostrophe was gradually lost over time due to the manuscript tradition. And so now it's drugstore culture, which makes no sense.
2: That's interesting. Because we don't have
0: drugstores, it's the UK. Rug stores, sure, loads of them, every street corner practically. Drug stores? What is that? I don't know. Wait, it's called a chemist, Matthew. A chemist! Also,
1: I'm just interested, what what does he perceive drugstore culture to be?
2: (laughs) It's like a guy selling you an overpriced packet of throat lozenges. It's like <laughs> this <is> ident- identity <laughs> politics for guys who sell you th- throat lozenges.
1: It's like I, I'm from a country that has drugstores and it's like it's where the beer is really expensive, you know, because yeah. we do sell beer in drugstores for some and reason. And it has
2: that like weird smell that's kind of like halfway between mouthwash and Haribo like that. Mm. It's, it's it's identity politics for guys in white coats. But what, st- what magazines like Drugstore Culture or indeed Toby Young's uh, magazine from the early 1990s, The Modern Review aims to do is like <laughs> the modern review. Yeah. it well, <laughs> But what they seem to aim to do is they're like, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Power Rangers, but, you know, using Deleuze or whatever, <laughs> where they, it feels like it's a whi- What? Yeah. It- What's Deleuze? <laughs> the, the Marxist psycho. I'm <laughs> dumb. I don't know. I'm not
0: going to know
1: <laughs> that. How do, you, how do you say it? Was it Gilles Deleuze, right? Gilles Deleuze, yeah.
0: Yes.
2: Gilles Deleuze. <laughs>
0: That, that,
1: that, that, that kind of sounds like a French teen insulting you in bad English. I really like
0: Rita Reposin because she reminds me of my mother. <laughs> When you eat that one Madeleine and you're filled with visions of the Red Power Ranger and the Pink Power Ranger and the Vita who shouts at them with the crazy hair, you know? And you read a whole
2: D- book about Deleuze- it. Deleuze
3: is, um, he is the intellectual godfather of the famous philosopher D'Souza, a.k.a. Dinesh D'Souza.
2: <laughs> D- Dinesh, you come
0: to me on this, the day of my Marxist philosophy wedding. It's, it's so many layers. <laughs>
2: I want to get back <laughs> the to the How many <laughs> times
0: <laughs> have you tried to get back to <laughs> the, point, the, like, the point?
2: The point, I guess, uh, I'm making is that every other attempt I've seen mm-hmm. by, by whether it's Toby Young's ill for ill, Toby Young's misbegotten magazine from the early 1990s or Matthew Dancona's identical misbegotten magazine from now tends to be saying, We're going to sort of basically flatter your interest in low culture by making it, by giving it a high culture sheen. Mm-hmm. We're going to, we're going to talk about, you know, dialectics and, you know, the young and the restless or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm. the theory and practice of Eastenders. And that, what I, I think what I like about what you've done is that you're not, you're not doing that. No,
4: you know, it's,
2: it's, it's because that, that to me feels like, in fact, I've grabbed a drugstore culture article here um, where it's where Matthew Dancona has written and, what really bothers me about this is the sort of self-important tone he's taking Um, important post. The editor of drugstore culture breaks his silence on Ariana and Pete. Oh,
0: yeah, I'm often be like, oh, Ma- Matthew Dancona just doesn't say anything. I wish yeah, he'd I think say more. When, when, this, when that
3: breakup happened, I was pretty shocked But the first thing I thought of was, like, I wonder what Matthew DeCona's opinion on that is.
4: I'm just waiting for him to break his silence, like counting down the minutes from the clock from like <laughs> when the breakup happened, so I know what he was going to say.
2: <laughs> and so he opens the article, so the big news for geopolitical analysts to chew over this morning is the breakup of Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson. It's um, a- Gee. Yeah. That's oh some boy. good
4: content. <laughs> yeah, that is
2: some fantastic content. My uh, Ancona don't. My Ancona
0: don't. Break his silence unless it's geopolitically relevant. That <laughs> anyway, anyway, wasn't even an
4: Ariana song. <laughs> no, but it did go with Ancona. It's Nicki
0: Minaj, fine, whatever. On, my
2: Danaconda.
0: <laughs> I was th- oh well mm, yeah could could be I was thinking about um doing a like a low culture being apple bottom jeans boots with the fur <laughs> the whole club looking at her it's, it's flow by flow rider right? it's a it low culture the culture of the song low no fine I'm glad I didn't do it now <laughs> it was
2: very confusing and I hope they cut it out God this podcast is gonna take all day <laughs> right so. But what what's what strikes me about sort of the the immediate tone with which Dan Kona has opened the article in his magazine that is supposed to be about the importance of looking Lux. at drugstores and low culture and stuff or ostensibly low culture is that he's um, is that he immediately starts sort of saying now this doesn't really matter. Which feels like it's it's just sort of reproducing that same kind of you know useless smarm.
4: Yeah, well, like I feel like all the commentary. One of, I mean, the reason why we didn't want to do it because we had this kind of big theoretical idea behind it. We were literally like looking for a kind of get out clause from when we were studying art history at uni and kind of were bored with all the content that we were doing and wanted a way to kind of meld, like meld the art that we were looking at with the shit that we were watching at the same time when we were really fucking hungover. Like that was essentially what it was and also so that we didn't have to like be writing essays all the time. It was a way of doing that. And then like the more followers we've got, the kind of more kind of, the more, I don't know, pressure there's been to kind of put a meaning behind it when actually it's these two images look the same and it's really fucking funny sometimes. Like that's that that's essentially it. Um, and you can take more of that what you want, but like I'd say we're not as smug as drugstore culture. I mean, we're not called <laughs> drugstore, you
2: culture. can only aspire to being that smug, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? It's and the 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 whole the whole drive to find sort of these levels of extremely sort of deep significance mm-hmm. to kind of uh, you might say modern ephemera culture. Yeah. I think it completely forgets that all of these paintings that we sort of hang in galleries and revere were kind of the trash culture of their own day.
4: Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, they didn't have tabloids, so a lot of the time, you know, the society portraits that we look at now are effectively kind of the tabloids of the day, and yet we treat them with such esteem because now there's all this... I mean, there was still then, but... We've 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 fetishized paint in a way that it wasn't maybe as much back then.
0: What I'm saying is Caravaggio was making a podcast.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Someone like Caravaggio like mm-hmm. does actually capture this fact really well, right? Because mm-hmm. like, who was he painting?
4: Well, he was painting like people off the street, like out, like. What was he painting? Fucking well, Caravaggio
1: um, was also painting biblical scenes, but with people that were dressed e- like people of that era, as yeah, opposed exactly. to like in traditional clothing. But a
4: lot of the like a lot of the models that he was using were also like delinquents. Yeah. They were like people they they weren't the kind of high up from society. It was it was it was basically role playing in the same yeah. way that you might mm. role play a photo shoot now in a fashion magazine or something like that. It's this it's the same kind of thing, although. Caravaggio himself, he's like one of those like cool guys with a really weird biography that kind of translates exactly <laughs> into his paintings, so... Straight we up murdered talking. some people. Yeah, he just mad as you guys. Guy <laughs> yeah. Be, uh,
1: oh yeah. All, if there's a, if there's a combination of words that would describe Caravaggio's over it's guy household. Let's I'm now, be honest.
0: I'm now like imagining Caravaggio. Like, what if you had like a modern painter who painted like biblical scenes, but like everyone in them is wearing like supreme hoodies and stuff? And I'm like Caravaggio's Banksy. <laughs> 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 Gee. So what was
2: what was Caravaggio's life all about?
4: He was, uh, he. All I know, right, all I know is that he kind of murdered a guy ran off and it was, all about, it was all about a love spat so essentially he thought his uh, girlfriend wife was cheating on him and so he murdered his love rial- rival and was sentenced to death and then ran off instead and then continued making art like it's just this trail of art throughout his like murder trial that he created it's mad
0: oh gritty detective drama a detective on the case of Caravaggio <laughs> and his only clues are the paintings he leaves behind <laughs> this guy's one sick son of an Italian bitch <laughs> there's a lot of naked boys so we gotta just figure it out so now. <laughs> <laughs> what's in the box <laughs> oh, no. oh it's, it's a little
2: statuette <laughs> right so it's the of my dead wife <laughs> <laughs> so they so I, what i think like the whole mission of the dancona's of the world mm-hmm. is to try to is rather, as much dank as possible <laughs> it's rather than understanding that like that the culture a uh, The culture a a society produces Mm -hmm. at the time it produces it is always just for fucking fun. It's Mm -hmm. not supposed to be significant on every single level. You're the editor of drugstore culture Isn't supposed to break his silence, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just some it's just some fuck around shit.
4: Yeah, essentially it's paraphernalia, isn't it? It's like the kind of material culture of that time. And it was thrown around and it was sold and it wasn't a big thing until maybe kind of what the 18th century when the well, like when the art market kind of boomed and then you've got the whole kind of capitalism thing raining into it I and think. that thing i just thought i should mention capitalism seeing I'm on yeah. we, do, we
2: do talk about it quite frequently
0: yeah. <laughs> this is a good time to stop for an important message hi if you're listening to this in 200 years time as part of a high school english literature class and being asked to analyze what the themes and motives are behind this podcast please know that there are none <laughs>
2: please know that this is some dumb shit that we do in a basement.
3: <laughs> With us in the sink. Yeah,
2: <laughs> none of us are wearing trousers. And so when we get the, like, you might say, like, the invention of the art market, mm-hmm. then it we almost sort of end up on this long march to like the CIA sponsoring sort of artistic movements so they could be show the world how uh, profound America is right? Which was
4: essentially like Jackson Pollock and the abstract expressionists and all of that sort of thing and then you're getting state funded now art galleries which are not even state funded um, art exhibitions funded by BP Oil and shit like that and the show will be on kind of environmental disaster in like the current age Mm. sponsored by BP Oil
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just imagined the CIA trying to create a painting that's so beautiful that if Castro looked at it, he would die. <laughs> 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 his
4: brain just kind of implodes inside his skull. <laughs> so, shit,
2: that really does look like Britney Spears. <laughs> oh Dios mio. <laughs> so can can you uh, can you sort of go into like how initially sort of like the CIA was trying to sort of create sort of this magnificent um, sea of meaning in art that really wasn't there previously.
4: Well, it was kind of um you know, you've got at that time the start of all these new movements and then there was the whole kind of, there was the Soviets kind of making their own shit at the same time. I'm, re- I'm explaining this really badly. All of my professors are going to fucking <laughs> shit themselves when they realize the grade they gave me. I don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah. But, um, Some of them might. That's pretty leftist. Art <laughs> history is a lefty if subject. You're one of,
2: if you're one of Elise's professors, uh, at Alex Keeley with Slide how you think she did. Slide into Alex <laughs> Keeley's DMs. That's Alex Keeley at Alex Keeley. <laughs>
4: Yeah. It was. I mean, to go back to the point about um, why the CIA would do that, it's the idea of kind of branding American artistic genius as the creative genius of that time period, and that kind of the ramifications of that was that they all became wildly successful and then killed themselves, which was like one of the worst batshit CIA plans I've ever seen. And they've done a lot of stuff as well. So
0: fingers crossed, guys who are on the Big Bang Theory.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Is the uh, it was because what they what like the next to the 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 sort of the social realist painters mm-hmm. in in the in the USSR who were mm-hmm. like painting art that was supposed to sort of just directly mirror the experience of the working class and yep. be interesting mm-hmm. to them and This yeah. is painting of dog in space. <laughs> it speaks to everyone because we all know that dog is in space <laughs> because of us <laughs> because of our great use of our resources. And so what well, and so then you know but it appears quite restrained to them yeah. and then you know, abstract expressionism just seems to just sort of leap off the canvas and be this unrestrained wildness. Mm -hmm. But it's sort of riven with this sort of almost artificial significance. like, no, it's so meaningful.
4: Mm -hmm. And then you have those, um, those, was it Life or Life, no, Time magazine photos of Jackson Pollock kind of dripping the paint over and he's got this like tight white t-shirt and these like really tight trousers and you're like... Fuck yeah! Not only is he good at art, but I also want to fuck him. That's essentially like <laughs> the Jackson, big idea. I can see
2: your bollocks. <laughs> I'd like to see a Jackson Pollock thirst trap, though. Just sort of just a mm. chaos explosion. Yeah. <laughs> Jackson Pollock, send me
0: send me a dick pic, and it's just like an incredibly abstract. Like
2: <laughs> you can't make out. Like is that what your dick looks like? Come on, we're leaving the obvious tribute porn joke on the table here. Oh <laughs> well, with tribute porn, you always leave it on the table. <laughs> Right? So, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> and one uh, of the things that sort of like, because I think this is something I sort of think about because I'm, a, I'm someone without anything better to think about, which is that now is this, this sort of whole impetus has been taken forward into stuff like Freeze, mm-hmm. where before they're painting something, an artist will think, okay, so what's this mean?
4: Mm-hmm. You know, well, you're talking about conceptualism, basically, yeah. aren't you? Like conceptual art. And that's kind of gone in the whole in a whole different direction where you've now got kind of Banksy being like, I don't know what this means but I'm going to shred it mm-hmm. <laughs> in front of people and it means something. It's kind of gone the whole opposite way of when I mean conceptualism, what that's like that kind of starts with Duchamp, doesn't it? And the urinal and... so, For our answer. listeners,
2: can you explain what the urinal was? Well, the <laughs> so it's like this thing, right? And you <laughs> piss into it. <laughs>
4: piss into it. And then it's do art. you? <laughs> can, can, can,
3: can, can I just intervene like, here to say that real men, are uh, real dudes in the guy household, they sit down while they pee
0: respectfully. It's more hygienic. It means you don't have to put acid down the I mean, toilet I, afterwards. That's
1: I, I, I mean, so what you're basically saying is you've owned Marcel Duchamp permanently and finally. <laughs> I, I do
3: it
2: anyway, but for religious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, what was the Marcel Duchamp urinal?
4: So um, it was effectively the first of his ready-made objects, which were a kind of him it was it, it was a massive finger up to the establishment when he wasn't invited into the salons so he decided to submit a urinal which he signed and then he called it art and that kind of spiraled out of control the controversy around that kind of what you know what is art can a urinal be art and then he made a broom that was art and a hat rack that was art, and he just fucked up art basically. <laughs> this is like Marcel, you can trace like Marcel Duchamp directly to all the fuck boys at Goldsmiths University right now.
0: <laughs> Marcel Duchamp was like, What do you want? and art was like, Just fuck me up, fam. <laughs> I love the idea that, like, uh, just the way he described it, like he made, then he made a broom that was art, and then he made a, and it's like just that was art, like, just like, nah, it's art. I'm, is that art? No, it's, I've said so. It's art. Yeah, that's art, all right. That's yeah. like
4: what we were taught. Like, if you call it art with enough conviction, then no one can question you about it. Oh, but there it. is
0: a level of conviction that needs to be had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, like, they, like, they have like a measured, measured the tone of your voice. Yeah, I'm not sure. So by that metric, could Riley's
2: gym thirst straps
0: be art? <laughs> they are already art, but just not in the way he thinks they are.
2: <laughs> so here's like, I think the, here's the boring Marxist, like, uh, understanding of what makes art art mm-hmm.
1: the boring Marxist understanding of my gym thirst traps is they're fucking good and that's praxis Yes, that's DM true. me,
2: please <laughs> The, the, the board I mean, I think the boring Marxist analysis of this would be like look when so- something is art when the market deems it Art which mm-hmm. means when capital calls it art mm-hmm. And so if I as Marcel Duchamp can convince capital that I've turned my broom into art then capital will bestow upon it the title of art
4: Yeah, well, I mean, that's essentially, I I haven't found yet a kind of better way of explaining it. I mean, you have people like, you have artists like Lee Lozano who um, directly kind of, took herself out of the art market. And it's only until kind of, I mean, she was well known within art circles then, but never within a kind of marketplace of art being sold commercially. And it was only until after her death, when her art became public again, that the prices soared. So again, it's this idea of no matter like, if you're in your grave, (laughs) capitalism will still own the art that you make. It's one of those kind of unescapable and depressing things, which makes you just love the subject so damn much. <laughs>
1: but also something that I, I noticed was I used to work basically with a company and one of their owners used art as an investment vehicle. And I think it was more of a tax dodge vehicle. Mm-hmm. But the extent to which the his collection had any narrative or stylistic coherence it was just based around what people were saying was important and thereby was worth money so that he could buy it and they could thereby Mm -hmm. use it as a tax Mm write-off and so it's interesting too because i feel like as you get more financialized more concentrated wealth around the world like that's distorting the art market but it's not even really distorting it i mean this is obviously outside opinion it's not really distorting it with any kind of like emphasis on a particular style or a particular um, theme as much as it's just if it can be monetized it's monetized and Mm -hmm. for the sole purpose of it having value have it having an assigned monetary value and not even for saying this is good art this is mediocre art this is bad art thereby there's a monetary value attached it's literally just all of these things are worth 80 million dollars because they are Mm -hmm. who cares if they're literally like a video of a subway car doesn't matter they're worth something, and because someone's willing to pay it, because someone wants to not pay their taxes.
4: Yeah, and like, and then look at how many kind of philanthropic organizations, like philanthropic and kind of big cap, like commas and stuff. They all have art foundations, and they all fund the arts. There was a really good piece about um, kind of rich, like rich millionaire tycoons, all building effectively their own personal Guggenheim for tax dodging reasons, mm-hmm. and it's 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 the biggest ego stroke. That you can do, kind of creating a temple for the art that you've made, so that you don't have to pay more money, mm-hmm. whilst also spending eighty million on a Hockney. It's like that kind of thing. So, and
2: it, it's and I think a big part of not what gives it necessarily gives it value, because what gives it value is just capital's decision. But mm-hmm. what sort of what makes people want to sort of rip them out of context and line them up in a museum mm-hmm. is this, Oh, well it means something. Mm-hmm. Oh, well I, I may, and this always, this always, always, always stick with me as just the dumbest insta- instance of conceptual art ever is that someone mm-hmm. uh, to raise awareness of homelessness um, made a piece of art that was a large piece of aluminum foil that was shaped like a tent and then it was 25,000 pounds.
4: And that solved homelessness, I heard. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, because
2: yeah. it, it was at freeze. And it's, it's freeze that has created this, this, it not created this issue, but freeze is where this issue sort of finds its pointiest end.
0: What I'm saying is that homeless people we should do glamping. <laughs> nice shiny silver tent.
1: Well, I mean, I will say that it, it, it achieved its intended effect because who could walk past a house made out of aluminium foil and not say, boy, do
2: we live in a society <laughs> we sure do. So, I mean, could you explain kind of what you're freeze... kind of
0: Canadian there? We sure do. <laughs> can you explain? Oh boy, we live in a Canadian society, of
1: course. Then again, I said aluminium, so of course I am now the most pretentious bitch on the planet because I'm from a country where we say
2: aluminium. Aluminium. So, yeah. Can you explain what freeze is?
4: Well, it's is, uh, Um, it, I mean, it's the it's one of the world's biggest kind of art markets, art well art fairs basically, and it's since kind of franchised. Across different areas of the globe, so now it's this huge network of fairs that occur throughout the year, and you'll have Freeze Fair, which is mostly con- like contemporary conceptual art, and then you have Freeze Masters, which is all the kind of Caravaggio is there. I'm surprised I didn't see you there, Riley. This year, good <laughs> <Your Look>, boy. <laughs>
2: my, f- I, I famously really like Caravaggio. I make no bones about that. Yeah, just like my mom used to make. <laughs> so. So what we have essentially is there. There is this massive sort of coming together mm-hmm. of sort of art buyers and sellers, but more important and 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 art makers. And it's freeze modern that sort of that sort of always twigs me a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is this this is the one where you can go buy a twenty five thousand pound tent uh, that's been made to raise awareness of homelessness, mm-hmm. and that's why it's oh well, it's twenty five thousand pounds because it made you think.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It did like, make us think, though. To be fair, I th- mean this, we are
4: talking about it. Yeah. So. <laughs> That, they won. <laughs> that, has,
2: that has got to be the single, the thing that pisses me off more than anything else, which is the, well, it's art because you're thought, thinking about it and talking about it because it made you think, which again, let's go back to the 1800s. Not what art was about.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, like art was also kind of in the 1800s. You see a lot of kind of artists use art in, in, a, in a tabloid sense. So you have kind of in London, um, people... Artists illustrating and depicting homelessness, prostitution, what was going on in the poverty stricken areas of society and putting them in tabloids so that people can consume them on a very kind of ephemeral basis. Like, it's like the beginnings of poverty porn, essentially. And you see that translated into the kind of weird faux social activism of stuff which you see. At Freeze Modern, for example. Yeah.
0: And also there's loads of stuff that makes you think, but it's not necessarily art. Like the other day I, I was, you know, I was scrolling through Pornhub and there was <laughs> there was a clip-
4: Classic art there. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> and there was a clip that was called, it was titled, Stepmom Finds Out That Dad Is Gay. And the like, the the you know, like the, the thumbnail image was of a woman wearing a witch's hat, and it really <laughs> made me think. Like, I had a lot of questions. Like, why is is the witch the mum? Is the witch just someone who's there? Like, and it's like, oh, sorry, I can see you guys are having kind of a domestic argument here. I'll ju- I was just coming to be a witch, but I'll leave you to it.
4: And Mark's um, called that art.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: That's a. up. I love yeah. the idea though that at some point Pornhub is going to run out of content ideas, and so they're going to have to recreate the great masters. But in <laughs> porn, it's like a girl with a pearl earring and a pearl necklace she made <laughs>
4: someone made a porn version of our account oh no yeah
2: oh <laughs> cool. yeah it's porn
4: art history you should you should it's, it's, it's interesting it, you can't look away from it there's
2: well, until you're done. Until you're... <laughs>
4: it's just the combination of like tits and art just really kind of gets me going. I think, Damn, yeah. yeah. Damn, both of them? But at the same time as well.
2: <laughs> it's so interesting
0: what you were saying. There used to be a blog, like an early internet blog called like Ikea porn or something. And it basically what they would do is they would they would take stills from porn movies and they would label all of the Ikea furniture <laughs> in the background and like how much it costs. And it was it was one of my favorite. It was like a blog spot thing. It'd be like it'd be like two guys fucking and then it'd be like mum. In the
2: background. <laughs> <laughs> ground like written on the bookshelf, and the thing is, <laughs> yeah, and and so ultimately, right, like the, I, Hang on. ultimately. I, I would rather live in a world where you, we could just sort of enjoy that for fun, without the sort of ever-present risk mm-hmm. of sort of someone who's recently gotten a grant from um, from the the ICA, mm-hmm. screenshotting it, putting it on a canvas, and then selling it for a hundred thousand pounds.
4: At the same time, though, if anyone's listening to this from the ICA, hit me up, <laughs> please. <laughs> Make my degree worth something.
2: So, um, you've you've actually you've prepared some. Uh, some pictures for for us to look at that we'll link in the uh, link in the description. Of Mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorites that you guys have done is you guys have the uh, Elon Musk on Joe Rogan in repose. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to talk to me about sort of what you saw in that? (laughs)
4: I just saw, like, Elon Musk smoking a joint and was like, I need to find a painting for that. I mean, this is, this is essentially, like, the genesis of all of it. You find these visual moments that you know are going to become iconic in popular culture, and you just have to kind of refer back, and you can refer back by theme, so you think kind of, I don't know, like... 19th century man smoking a pipe, sort of thing, and then eventually you kind of just like the law of the internet means that you will find something that looks eerily similar to mm. Elon Musk smoking a joint on Joe Rogan. And so Elon you-
0: Musk is smoking it so intensely, though it's like very cogitative.
4: He's like re- he's really kind of taking it in. And it's, it, to be fair, it's, he did say it was the first time he'd. Uh, He'd smoked mm. one, so. He's that was a the first time. The, thing.
0: the first time he'd realized that we live in a society, <laughs> and you can
2: see that written in his face. So, do you want to? So, what can you tell me about um about the the painting you've chosen to represent it, "Man Smoking a Pipe" by a Frenchman whose name I will butcher, Jean Alexandre Joseph, Fal- um, yeah. Well,
4: That's- it's kind of part of the whole kind of. Um, impressionism and the idea of taking kind of photographs of people at leisure so you have people smoking in a cafe people drinking absinthe people drinking like acid from a sink (laughs)
0: people fucking their mistress uh, (laughs) going to fuck their mistress on a scooter you know normal kind of activities (laughs) in france
4: but really it's kind of the first um emergence of High art in, again, capital A, being used to describe the everyday activities of ordinary people. And you still see that in pop art and all the things that have gone on since then. And it just so happens it looks a lot like Elon Musk as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As everyone who listens to this show knows, we have absolutely no affinity for Elon Musk in any way whatsoever. We definitely don't reference him or take pictures with him at any moment of our lives.
2: No, we're, we're not also going to make him much cooler by making him wear a supreme tuxedo from now on. Definitely not going to do that. So here's another an, another one you you have posted for us. Um, it is uh, Britney Spears attacks paparazzi with a green umbrella yep. uh, circa 2007. Mm-hmm. Again, high point, high point yeah. of American culture. Uh, oil on canvas. Um, um. Uh, compared with uh, Gian Lorenzo Bernini's statue of David. Yes. So. What what can you tell me about these images?
4: So, I mean, the image um the image of Britney is the classic uh high 2007 breakdown period of Britney's oeuvre and um she's got the green umbrella and she's about to smash that in the face of a paparazzi. And then here you have um Bernini's David also kind of swinging his body around in a really nice homoerotic way because <laughs> Bernini. And um yeah, it's also her boldness really kind of makes the similarities quite striking in my personal opinion.
0: Yeah, first of all, I was like, Jesus, Toby Young's letting himself go. You know, that's, uh, she, the way she's holding that umbrella, it looks like she's trying to reload it like a shotgun somehow. Like, I've already hit one guy, time to reload. It sort of looks broken in a way, like it's been yeah. broken
2: already. But
0: like you said, it's cocking the action. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And- uh, what I mean, what I this is, because clearly, uh, two of history's greatest entries into beast mode.
4: Yeah, this Absolutely. is like going hype mode on <laughs> on society. It also really does make you think. I think that comparison, in my personal
1: opinion, yeah, yeah. slaps. You know, slapping some paparazzi around the, with, the, with an umbrella, <laughs> slaying
0: a giant with a slingshot—very
2: two related things. Absolutely, it's, it's all pretty similar. Um, it's good
0: job, she wasn't brandishing that umbrella around the Gaza Strip. That's all I can say.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Um, so like I said, I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll tighten this up. I'm going to pick another one that you've sent through. Mm-hmm. Um, so here, here's an, another, another fun one. Uh, and this is actually quite timely. Uh, the Spice Girls in the set of a publicity photo shoot, 1994 to 2000 mm-hmm. and think- now 2018.
4: Yeah. I think Do that- we just <laughs> not
2: know when that photo was taken. It just could be at any point.
4: It was, it was one of those things where I found it and then was going through a rabbit hole, couldn't find the exact date. And then some kind of, um, I don't know. Someone like corrected us on it, and they were like, "Actually, it's the Rolling Stones photo shoot they did from." I don't. I can't even remember what year. And that's again mm-hmm. one of those times when you really wish you didn't have a semi-viral Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Just to shut people up. But yeah, and we've put that against uh, the Demoiselle d'Avignon, which is one of uh, Picasso's most famous um, paintings that he did, especially during his Cubist period. Mm.
2: So what was what was the what was the thing what what was what did this set off in your brain?
4: So, I suppose I mean you've got to understand that like a lot of this, as much as we don't want to admit it, comes from the fact that we had four years looking at images and kind of analyzing them. But basically, the composition of the shot, and also there's something like really delicious about the Spice Girls and the kind of shit that they took at the time for being provocative mm-hmm. and uh, girl power. I mean, not not so much now because
0: yeah. Because they <laughs> love the Tories. <laughs>
4: they stuck on the tip of Theresa May. Like, it's really sad. <laughs> Chuckling
0: at the very teeth <laughs> yeah. of Mother Teresa. Uh, and,
4: um, yeah, and the painting, uh, La Demoiselle d'Avignon, it was, um, it was Picasso depicting prostitutes. And um, as you can see, they kind of go from kind of almost looking normal to kind of these grotesque kind of squatting figures. And it's all about mm. the kind of decline of man and the decline of woman and stuff. So there's, there's definitely some kind of message there that I will not talk to you because I cannot be bothered. It's, it's, it I heard mean,
3: the story about how, um, Harley was, uh, how Harley Quinn was invented. <laughs> <laughs> you, can,
0: you can see actually when you, when you look at Picasso's figures, you know, it's like you say some of them are more, you know, some of them are, some of them are scarier. Some of them are <laughs> sportier, dare I say. Some of them are posher than others. And it really, the, there's a lot more to this than I initially thought.
4: <laughs> the many layers of tabloid art history are really coming to yeah. the show. Absolutely, yeah.
0: So One of them's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, too young to be a prostitute, in my opinion. Ba- ba- but ba- ba- baby
3: Spice times. is famously in the same universe as Boss Baby.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's when she gave up on her dreams and took a corporate job. And so what, what do you think happens, right? when all of these paintings are just ripped out of all of their context just taken away basically from anything fun and just stuck up in a museum
4: I think <laughs> I think I I think there's some value in stripping art out of its context I mean it's kind of what we do here I think it gives people the chance to access art on a purely visual basis but then again like there is some kind of gratification for understanding the context behind what you're looking at. I will say that mm-hmm. there's been some really bad examples of that done in the past. I mean, we were talking before the recording on um, the Saatchi selfie exhibition.
2: Yeah, go into that.
4: Yeah, so I think this was maybe two years ago now and effectively it was a weird Saatchi brainchild thing sponsored by Samsung where they would... <laughs> Fam-
2: <laughs> Famous art lovers, the Samsung corporation. <laughs> Um, yeah, Chai Balls fucking love they they love pushing conceptual boundaries <laughs> of what it's possible to express in new forms.
4: Like the thing that like really upsets me about a starch exhibition is that I paid something like twenty-two quid and um you go there and the actual art isn't There. It's just a giant smartphone with a photo of the paintings that you're meant to look at.
0: Oh, black mirror. (laughs) What if your art exhibition was a phone? You know?
1: I have to interrupt because there's one of the more insane stories. You mentioned Chables in Korea and Samsung and things like that. I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but in 2014, there was a uh, crew, like a, a, a tourist, regional tourist cruise ship in Korea that capsized. And it drowned like the entire graduating class of a Korean, a South Korean high school. The ship was called the Sewol, right? It was this huge scandal. It turned out like the company knew that the ship was completely overloaded. The captain fled the ship and told everyone to stay below decks, and like everyone drowned. It was a huge disaster. The people, the family who owned it, this was a very uniquely Korean thing, um, were also like they were massively wealthy. At some point in the '90s, a bunch of people that were involved in a cult that they sponsored had committed mass suicide, um, and they also had paid enough money to buy a pavilion. I think at the Louvre where you can like pay for a thing. And they paid to have an exhibition of one of the family members' art. And apparently it was so shit that like nobody could understand why it was there in the first place. And the New York Times had to get like an Asian art photography specialist to assess this and be like, Wow, um, you couldn't give this shit away. This is the worst fucking <laughs> art I've ever seen in my life. And it somehow came back to was like, yes, but they also sponsored it, and apparently the ship which capsized, capsized, which was overloaded, which drowned this entire high school classroom on San, was head-to-toe decked in this shitty artwork owned by this family. And so when you said, oh, yeah, Chable's approach to art, I'm like, yeah. oh, well, you don't even want to know what the Chable's approach to art is, Riley. I'll tell you all about it. Anyway, sorry, I realize that's an interruption,
0: complete the aside. The last thing you see is you die is like mediocre, fails Just terrible fucking artwork. It's like if you died being crushed by an avalanche of Wyatt Coke shirts.
2: <laughs> so I... I've sent the, the first picture that we are going to tabloid art history live here on the podcast to the group DM. This is Wyatt Coke, the billionaire fail son of the <laughs> yeah. Coke brothers, who is just a, a big, a big fancy moron who made his own, made his own fat features, guy, his own, no, his own fat guy <laughs> shirt company. I
4: don't think you can tabloid art history this. Like, I have no idea what shit, like, <laughs> the shit. Well, he's is clearly,
1: that. he's clearly a de' Medici. Let's be perfectly honest here. <laughs> oh, that's so
0: good.
4: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's not the colours are just so green. Like I've got that's all I can say for that. Um,
0: there is a certain like there's like a there's a slightly like dark Nate character to him. Like if you like, <laughs> like if you like really let yourself go, like I mean monstrously so. There's like it's
3: like if, a if slight... if he took all the Patreon money and decided to make a shirt company. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't think I've ever been owned that hard before in my life. (laughs) Uh, I don't even... There's no pleasure in it. I don't like owning
2: Nate. I (laughs) I like owning everyone else apart from Nate. It's the portrait of... It's the shoulders up of the portrait of Henry VIII.
4: Oh, shit. Because he has let himself go. Yeah. (laughs) And he's ginger as well. That's basically it. Wait, so, wait. This is... Did did he... This is a foe that he has... Someone has taken of him, yes. and he has said, "Yes, I want this out. I'm happy for people to look." His video.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's part of his video. Yeah. he's got those. He's got those boy pussy lips going on.
4: <laughs> he's got that kind of confused expression of like Henry VIII, well, like, it's "Do I ever had my wife or not?" Like, it's well, like that same it's confusion. A, it's a still
1: from an ad video that they made. Was like him on a yacht with a bunch of models advertising his clothing that are just ridiculous and no one would ever buy. But since his parents are like his father, or he's one of his parents is the like evil fossil fuel, nightmare, billionaire, right-wing donor, he's just like, he manages to just have a, have a clothing line um, with, doesn't have like, one of them has like pigs all over it or something. Yeah. It's, just, it's just absurd, yeah. But you're right, wow, that's that's not...
4: I yeah. fucking tabloid art history. Well done, you're on wow, the team. Good, good, good job, you
1: Riley. We'll tweet that from the show
4: account. <laughs>
1: Just in case anyone was wondering on the show, Riley got the best grade ever. He got the highest grade in the class. He's the best student ever. That's yeah. been confirmed.
4: That is excellent. We're putting,
2: we're putting a gold star on Riley right now. Wyatt Koch is the closest thing we have to divine right. Because he is just the kid <laughs> of a billionaire who has a divine right to do some coloring in with crayons and make it into- And also, as we know, Henry VIII was a big fan of the boardroom and the discotheca. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's and so it's this is the closest thing we've got. Fuck yeah. I'm a critic now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, and you know what? That how the white cokes, wearing green sleeves. So the next, the next image uh, that that is the let's say the the trash future angle <laughs> of of uh, tabloid art history is, of course, uh, the image of Jason Statham from Crank Two that I have shared around to everybody. <laughs>
4: Like, I've never seen anything as kind of arousing in such a dark and chaotic way as that fucking, hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of reminds me of Saint Sebastian. Like I can't, if you, if I like find the image that I'm thinking of, it's. Um, Kind of from the Renaissance era, and Saint Sebastian is like the icon of erotic um, violence, kind of like Jason Statham. So I feel.
0: Like mm. <laughs> Listen, mate. If I don't get compared to a famous painting from art history in the next fifteen minutes, I'm gonna, my heart's gonna explode.
4: I found Saint Sebastian. It's like it's like a case of trying to find which one is the most gay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just like being on this podcast.
4: <laughs> Wait, let me. I'm gonna post this. I don't. To be honest, I actually don't think it's as good as Riley's. Uh, Fucking what's he called? White coat. White coat. <laughs> Henry the thing. But um, here we go. So we've got him with like what? There's pliers on his nips.
2: Yes. Mm. Crank- I think
0: oh, they're jumper cables, aren't yeah, they? It's,
2: it's crank two high voltage because <laughs> what happens in crank <laughs> yeah. two high voltage is that he is his heart, which will explode if he ever stops getting an adrenaline rush, is replaced with a big fake heart. That needs to constantly get juiced up with electricity, mm. and so basically, Jason Statham is constantly just trying to shock himself so that yeah. he can stay like in a state of hyper adrenaline. And they didn't awareness. think of having
0: like a battery or something that was yeah. like too advanced.
2: I also like that picture Holy of him. That one's actually very good. That's I feel, very good.
4: I feel like it's a case of imagine Saint Sebastian was a little bit more, like imagine if he was enjoying getting hurt <laughs> <laughs> like, a little bit more. Yeah, because be the same.
0: Jason Statham is like he's got one of the jumper cable like plier things like attached to his his right nip uh, which i believe is a technical term in art history terms and uh, he's, he's <laughs> licking the other one and like looking wistfully into the distance such that like actually i think the best edit of that photo would just be to put the kink.com logo in <laughs> the <bottom> corner
2: <laughs> let's not kink shame jason statham no that's one look there is one thing that trash future will never do kink shame jason <laughs> statham yeah anyone else will kink sh- did you just kink shame me or there could be a problem <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I guess in the same vein, we can't really kink shame Saint Sebastian, who's clearly like dying, but at the same time getting his dick sucked. I mean, that is—I literally—I say—I say this as somebody who literally I have a tattoo of Saint Sebastian, so like I get it—he's getting his dick sucked and he's getting shot full of arrows. But in this one, yeah. it's particularly stark. Because you can't see his dick, for one, and for another, because he's really enjoying that arrow through his forehead. It's all about what you can't see, really.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think a a lot of um, renaissance allegorical art is quite a bit like jazz, because it's about what dicks they don't paint.
0: Yeah, that Korean art exhibition was really about the spaces between the paintings.
2: (laughs) And so, like, that's... (laughs) 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 Honestly, this is is why I really like these episodes, because there's no summing up to do. There's not really much of a point, but... God damn, we didn't have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Thank you, Elise, for putting up with us. Holy shit, I realize it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> You it's even funny. got you got the LP version of this. You didn't even get the single or the extended EP. You got the LP. You got the double album. So thank
0: you.
4: It's okay, mm-hmm. no
0: problem. Live the live version.
4: <laughs> and just, yeah, is my career like ended after appearing on this? I'm still young. <laughs>
2: Listen, Elise, if you came on this podcast expecting to leave and still have a career, you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong basement. <laughs> so what's Elise, you're sort of almost better at this than us. What's what's the point? Almost <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost better for <laughs> You can't yeah. you can't quite aspire to the level of intellectual excellence that we operate on. <laughs> that's why I wanted to do this episode. Is the whole point of tabloid art history is that it has no point. And that's the thing that makes art suck, is when people try to give it too much of a point.
4: Yeah. And it's the fact as well that like if you wanted to, I mean, art's gonna complete like continue being made. And pop culture is going to continue going. So if we really wanted to, we could just, like, fuck with this kind of format forever. There's no kind of end goal, depending on how bored we are or not. Like, it's, it can keep on going. There's no lifespan for it because it is immortal. <laughs> 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 um, Nate,
2: can we, uh, can we end on the, the song By that merch from the Jake Paul Christmas album? <laughs> Sure. Why not? Awesome.
0: Spend a right. hundred dollars, free shipping, y'all. <laughs>
2: yeah. Elise, thank you very much for being here for this—the weirdest episode you've ever recorded. <laughs> thank I
1: you, would everyone. even say that we did an episode that was nothing but like freeform comedy, and this was actually weirder. So and yeah, like, thank a, like you. Significantly, significantly weirder.
0: <laughs> and you were so on board with it from beginning yeah, to thank end. Thank you so much. Uh, okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> thanks All right. everyone and thanks thanks for listening as ever you can commodify your descent with a t-shirt from Lil Comrade mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, Edie will print a uh, Wyatt Coke Henry VIII on it for you
4: <laughs> um, start making the merch uh,
2: and finally also thanks to Jinsang for the use of our theme song it's called Here We Go it is available on Spotify but we're about to hear something a little different right now Buy that merch, buy that merch, buy that merch